speak to God. He lifted me up. He lifted me up, and now I know. Amen. Glory be to God. So thankful to be here in the house of the Lord. So thankful for all God's goodness, his love, his mercy, his grace. So thankful for the tongues and interpretations. So thankful for the presence of the Lord. So thankful, and I can't express how grateful and thankful I am that I am in the house of the Lord. Amen. That I'm a human being, and I could be anywhere, but I'm right here learning about the truth of Jesus Christ, learning about the truth of one God. And I love the truth, and I'm teaching and preaching, I say today, about the truth. And I love these messages of teachings on the truth. They are so deep. They are so profound. They are so great. And we need those teachings. They're wonderful. And it's revelation to us. And as I put in my words here, that the more we learn, the more we live for Jesus. The more we learn about him, the more we learn about the truth, the more we learn about his love, the more we learn about what he has done for us. And we cannot tell it all. Amen. Glory and honor to God. Brother Gavin said this morning that, um, I think he said, I, I hadn't written it down, but to have a hunger and a love for the truth. And that's what I have, is a hunger and a love for the truth. When I left Zimbabwe, I had, the, I was in the same United Pentecostal church, and I was so... <coughs> concerned when I left there because I didn't know if I was going to find a church that would teach the same thing about the oneness of God. But of course, inquiries were made, and there's a place, a church in Australia. But I was in such a a state over there thinking about I couldn't go and worship anywhere else that didn't teach this truth. I wouldn't feel comfortable worshiping anywhere else that didn't teach the truth. So God opened the doors for me, and I'm so thankful. And you might think I'm exuberant, but I am. Amen. I love Jesus. He's done so much for me. Amen. And Brother Carlo, I loved your testimony this morning to hunger and thirst after righteousness and to know the truth and the truth is going to set us free. And that's how what I've mentioned my message today is the truth, the truth, the truth shall set you free. Amen. I've got to pray. We just pray and ask God to help me with this message this morning. Lord, you are great and greatly to be praised, God. We in your presence this morning, Lord, receiving from you, God, strength, receiving from you healing, receiving from you your word, receiving from you your love, Heavenly Father, your mercy and your grace. And we reach out for these things, Lord, and we give you grateful thanks, God, to know that you are in our midst, to know that you know each and every one of us. And as we are present here today, you know our every needs, Lord. And we come to you with these needs and ask you to bless us and touch our lives deeply, Lord. I pray your mighty anointing upon the preaching this morning. Help me, God, I pray as I bring this message and to say what a wonderful opportunity, what a wonderful blessing, what an honor it is to bring your word today. God, ask you to be with me, Lord, in every way. Thank you, God, in Jesus' name. To God be the glory, the truth, the truth, the truth. The gospel is the glorious and joyous good news of salvation in Jesus Christ. And it comes to us at great cost, at great sacrifice. In the first place, at the cost and the sacrifice that Jesus made. For Christ also hath once suffered for sins, for the just and for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in flesh, but quickened by the Spirit. 
And then those that follow the call. And go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And it's Mark 16 and 15. And then, uh, uh, sorry, Matthew, Mark. Mark 28, 19 to 20. Sorry. Let me just get myself. Praise the Lord. It says, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. As hearers respond to this message, <coughs> they become disciples of Jesus. And thus the call continues. Jesus himself said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. God has gone to great lengths to ensure that every creature hears the gospel and has opportunity to respond. I just think about what Brother Carlo said. He was searching and searching and searching for this truth. And for 57 years, I think he said, he's been searching and searching and searching for the truth. Amen. I thank God that he stayed searching for the truth and he never gave up. And he continued, amen, to search for the truth because the Lord has given it to him. He's overwhelmed. He can't say enough about it. God is so great. Amen. And he, has, he hears and he gives us an opportunity to respond. He gives us time to respond. He gives us a place to respond. Amen. We are so blessed, more blessed than we realize the, how much God has blessed us in the time and the place that he's given to us to respond. And this, everybody, is a safe place. This where we are is perfectly safe. There's no man, man-made doctrine. There's no man-made opinions preached and taught in this church. It's what the Bible says. And our, our pastor and our leaders, Brother Gavin and all of our leaders, they love the truth. And I'm putting here, buy the truth and sell it not. They love the truth. They hang on to the truth. They're not parting with the truth. They teach the truth. They minister the truth. We receive the truth. And we're all going to go to heaven together. By the grace of God Almighty, he has done great and wonderful things. And I feel safe in this place. And you might think I'm overdoing it sometimes, but I can't wait to get to the house of the Lord. I can't wait to be in the presence of my brothers and sisters. I can't wait until the piano starts to play those songs of worship. And we lift our hands and we praise the Lord. I can't wait for those days. And I come to the church sometimes and I'm dragging my heels. I'm honest with you. But after five or ten minutes, I'm a different person. Amen. I've got wings on my feet and I'm flying high. I've got wings on my feet and I'm in a higher place in the Lord Jesus Christ. Don't miss coming to the house of the Lord. Don't stay away. If you've got problems, come to the house of the Lord. Don't think that's an excuse and a time to stay away. Come to the house of the Lord. God will mend those things. God will help us. God will help us into the right to the ninth degree. Every detail God will undertake for us. Hallelujah. Even though we're living in the 21st century, this call of going into all the world was given by Jesus right in the early 1st century. And the reason for this call, the obedience to the call, the message, the burden and the urgency remain the same. Lifestyle over the centuries has changed considerably. 
But man's need for Jesus Christ has never changed one iota, and neither will it change. We need Jesus Christ today as much as we needed him the first century. And in our monthly statement, Brother um, David tells us that we can respond to this call of going into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature, creature by going or by praying or by giving. And, and consequently, the gospel is spread throughout all the world. People will hear the gospel will continue to be spread out. Some of us may feel a calling to go. Some of us may feel deep down a calling to go. And God is calling people to go. There's no doubt about it. And if you're not called to the mission field somewhere far away, we have a mission right in our own homes. We have a mission right in our jobs. We have a mission right with our neighbors, amen, to go and tell and to teach the gospel of Jesus Christ and spread the gospel so that people know the Lord is coming soon, soon, soon. People need to know this wonderful truth, amen. Each of us can trace our own steps back to when we first came to church. Somebody told us, somebody called us, somebody invited us, somebody spoke to us about Jesus. <clears throat> we might have taken a long time to respond, but that was the start. Somebody told us and somebody led us to the truth of the word of God. <clears throat> From where we stand now, we know that the time is getting shorter and shorter for man to receive salvation. And this gospel is not a new revised plan of salvation or something that God has just uh, trumped up in the last days. This is the perfect fulfillment of God's plan for all mankind for salvation right from the very beginning. Right from the very beginning, God had it all in, in hand and he had his plan for us to receive salvation. Let us thank God that we are in this place where we learn this truth, where we know about salvation, where we are baptized in his holy name and filled with the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. I'm excited. And right from the beginning, God said, and I will put enmity between thee and the woman and between thy seed and her seed, it shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. The promise of salvation, which is forgiveness, freedom, and cleansing from sin, must be told, and must be spread, and must be explained. Saul of Tarsus, he received such a call from Acts, and we can read about that in Acts chapter 9, verse 15 and 16. In a very short biography, he was a Pharisee and the son of a Pharisee. He was very well educated, having studied under Gamaliel, a much respected teacher of the law of God and a member of the Sanhedrin, which was the highest ruling court of justice in those days. Saul's vocation was that of a tent maker, and he worked with Priscilla and Aquila, as mentioned in the book of Acts. Saul was a tireless and zealous persecutor of the followers of Jesus, and he was present and stood by as Stephen was stoned to death. He was a man of firm convictions, and he always acted out on his beliefs. And then we get a perfect snapshot of, and the truth shall set you free, and the truth shall make you free. When Paul had his dramatic encounter with the Messiah on the road to Damascus, he immediately found and recognized the truth, and all the false beliefs he had had, which he held onto in his sincerity, were immediately dispelled. And after his conversion, with God's perfect timing, 
All his energy was devoted to proclaiming the message of the truth of Jesus Christ and of salvation. The truth had set him free. He had been believing a lie. And at that encounter with the Messiah, the truth set him free. He recognized that he had been believing a lie. He recognized that he'd been living a lie. He recognized there and then what the truth was. And he immediately followed the Lord and uh, carried on with the truth. What a wonderful example Apostle Paul is in somebody living a disciple of God, living for God, doing the will of God. When, when Paul met with the Messiah, he fell to the earth and he was blinded. Metaphorically speaking, it may happen that when we realize the truth, we may recognize that we have been blind and that the revelation can be so powerful that we can feel very weak in our humanity, <coughs> that we are so weak and God is so great. <coughs> and when the truth comes to us, we also have a revelation that God loves us so much. He's allowed us to see the truth. He's allowed us to hear it. He's allowed us to understand it. Amen. And we're not in a place of deception where we are receiving the truth of God. The truth is quite something to grasp and becomes more and more revealing to us as we proceed in faith, in our faith in Jesus Christ. And Ananias, a disciple at Damascus had a vision from God and received instruction to go and pray for Paul. Ananias questioned the mission of Saul of Tarsus, and God tells Ananias the details of Paul's mission. God said, He is a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel, for I will show him how great things he must suffer for my name's sake. And in Second Corinthians, we can read, of the sufferings that Paul endured. And I'm going to read them out. If you want to turn there with you, me in your Bibles, it's 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 16 to 28, and then 32 to 33. But I'm starting on verse Of the Jews, five times received I forty stripes, save one. Thrice was I beaten with rods, once I was stoned, thrice I suffered shipwreck, a night and a day I have been in the deep. In journeyings often, in perils of waters, in perils of robbers, in perils of mine own countrymen, in perils by the heathen, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren." In weariness and painfulness, in watchings often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness. In Damascus, the governor under Aretas the king kept the city of Damascus with a garrison desiring to apprehend me. And, the, and through a window in a basket was I let down by the wall and escaped his hands. Saul went through much, much to continue the gospel of Jesus Christ. And there will always be opposition to the gospel of Jesus Christ. You can count upon that. There will always be uh, opposition. But we can continue and continue just as Paul did. Christian persecution was a dramatic part of early church history. And many of the disciples were subject to cruel and harsh treatment. They were painfully beaten, 
thrown into prison, isolated, and died as martyrs for their faith. But Christian persecution and the deaths and the sufferings of these people did not slow down or stop the growth of Christian faith. Even today, Christianity is flourishing. Nothing is Sorry. Opposition comes against the spreading of the truth of the gospel, but it is still flourishing and it's still being spread and it hasn't been stopped and it's not going to be stopped. Amen. And we can be a part of that spreading of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The reason I accentuate these sufferings is to underline and make a picture in our minds of the great value and importance of the gospel to every creature and to emphasize that the spreading of the gospel to all comes at great sacrificial cost. We need to recognize and appreciate the enormous and priceless value of the gospel of salvation. Anything of value is going to cost much. In Proverbs 23 and 23 we read, Buy the truth and sell it not. Also wisdom and instruction and understanding. Recently, Brother Gavin has been preaching much about buy the truth and sell it not, emphasizing the truth, and we appreciate this wonderful preaching and teaching. And I've asked Brother Moses to come and help me this morning. Um, we've got to buy the truth, and we've got to sell it not. We need a So, how do we buy the truth? Just hold this. How do we buy the truth? Do we go out to the shops? Do we take our shopping bag? If you're a woman, you sling it over your shoulder most of the time. Take our purse and go off to the shop. And we arrive at the shop and we say to the shop assistant, Good morning, how are you today? You're having a good day? Excellent, excellent. Um, could I have $20 of truth, please? Sorry, I can't help you. I have $20? Well, can I give you $40 for some truth? Can I buy some truth for $40? Oh, what about $100? I, I if I go to my other bag, I'm sure I've got $100 for truth. Can you sell me $100 worth of truth? A thousand dollars? What about a million dollars? I'm just wanting to buy the truth. Oh, so would I have to go now? Oh, oh, oh what am I going to do? Thank you very much. The truth is not a commodity, and no money in the world can buy the truth. There is no exchange of money for truth. The only way to obtain the truth is for you to give you. That's the only way to obtain the truth. To surrender yourselves completely, and then this will give great liberation of the value of the truth, and also the realization that it is so valuable that we will not ever sell it that we will realize that we need the truth, and although it is not a commodity, we will never get by without it. We will never have fulfillment or peace without it. 
To buy the truth is to recognize the value of the truth. It is priceless. It is priceless. We read the parable of the pearl of great price. It says, again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking beautiful pearls, who, when he had found one pearl of great price, went and sold all that he had and bought it. The purpose, the spiritual meaning of this parable is to impress and to underline the great truth and the need of eternal salvation in Jesus Christ, to seek it, to find it, and hang on to it, and never let it go. The truth is spiritual because Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man cometh to the Father but by me. We are all heaven-bound. We are all facing a destiny at the end of our lives, amen, or at the time when Jesus Christ comes to take away his church. All of us are bound for a destination after this life, amen. And the only way we can get to heaven, we all know this, is through Jesus Christ. So we need to buy the truth, sell it not, hold on to it. Don't let it escape one little iota from our, li- from our lives because it's essential that we have this wonderful truth. Referring back to the conversation of Apostle Paul, the truth of Jesus was laid bare before him. And Paul's response was, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? I go as, to far as, as so far as to say that when we have found Jesus and the priceless truth, it is possible that we all may have the same response. Lord, what wilt thou have me do? I give my all to you, God. You've given all to me. I give my all to thee. What wilt thou have me do? As Paul received the truth, there was no quibble. There was no negotiation or argument that the price was too high or that it was unattainable. No, so overawed by the truth, he immediately followed Jesus. He bought the truth. He sold it not. To follow on with his life a little, Paul made four missionary journeys. In response to a call of the Holy Spirit, the church of Antioch chose Barnabas and Paul to proclaim the gospel. This gospel was the first province of Galatia and was Apostles' first missionary journey. They first traveled to Cyprus and then to Antioch in Pisidia, then on to Iconium, Lystra, and Derbe. They returned to Antioch through Perga. They went to the synagogues to preach the coming of Jesus Christ, the Messiah, and the fulfillment of the promises of him made in the Old Testament. In his epistle to the churches in Galatia, he states that he had been suffering an infirmity of the flesh when he first preached the gospel to them. Until first, Paul's first missionary journey, the Christian church had been predominantly Jewish because the early church began in, the, in Jerusalem and had been held firmly to this Jewish identity. The influx of Gentiles led to all kinds of theological and practical issues. Questions such as, do these Gentiles have to adopt Jewish traditions? Do they have to keep the law of Moses as the Old Testament's believers were, tes- were required to do? These kinds of questions gave rise to false teachers in Galatia and the believers were led astray. From the Apostle Paul they received the truth. But they did not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itchy ears, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned into fables. There's always a danger of false doctrines. 
And we need to be very, very careful to guard the truth in our lives and not to sell it. We need to watch in all things, endure afflictions, stand fast on the promises and word of God, love the word of God, share it with others, and be careful not to drift away from the house of God and the fellowship of the saints of God. In his epistle, Paul wrote, O foolish Galatians, who hath bewitched you that ye should not obey the truth, before whose eyes Jesus Christ hath been evidently set forth? crucified among you. The Galatians knew well the truth, but let it go. Pressure can come from any, to us in many forms and can be very hard for us to resist and deal with. An example of pressure is that of Esau. Esau had the truth and assurance of his birthright. Isaac would pray blessings over him which could not be changed, but would stand firm after the death of Isaac. He would become the leader and the head of his family. But Esau became weak in his resolve because of his hunger. And Jacob used that weakness to put further pressure on Esau, to sell his birthright and to give it to Jacob. Esau placed more value on satisfying his hunger than on the blessings and covenants of his birthright. Sometimes we can choose things of temporary value instead of things of eternal value. We need to be careful. I just feel it's very important to, to have a realization how valuable the truth is to us. <laughs> we need Christ. We need the truth so badly that we should not be willing to pay, that we should be willing to pay whatever the Lord requires of us. None of us have assurance for tomorrow. As we walk out of these doors, we don't know where we're going to be in the next hour or so. We have no idea. So it's very important to get that salvation and to hang on to it from that point of view as well. And knowing <clears throat> that and that knowing the time that now is high time to awake out of sleep, for now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. <coughs> Could I ask Sister Sadinka to come to the piano please? And uh, Brother Paul and Sister Pam. I feel to say this morning that if you feel you have a call from God, but that you feel you're not good enough, think of the life of the Apostle Paul. Paul was very cruel to the Jesus believers. He caused them great suffering. He was hard on them. He threw them into jail. He hounded them. But he was good enough for God to give him this calling, this, uh, to be an apostle of God and to carry the gospel and teach the gospel and continue as he did for all those years in his following of God. God, you may not think that I'm, I'm not good enough, but let's let go of I'm not good enough. You were good enough for God to call you out of darkness into his marvelous light. You were good enough for God to fill you with the Holy Spirit. You were good enough for God to have his name put on you in baptism in Jesus' name. If you feel you've got a calling on your life to go and spread the gospel, let us come to the altar and give that calling to God and pray to the Lord God Almighty because he's calling. He's calling people to carry this gospel. We are opening the altars this morning and our precious brothers and sisters are going to sing for us. I'm free from the sins of tomorrow. If you know that song, please stand up and sing it with us and come to the altar and make your requests known unto the Lord.
praise the Lord.